The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Tell me I'm not the only one. July 19th is my new birthday. <laughs> hey, y'all know that, um, you know that a family of lions is called a pride because there's nothing else that you could call a family of lions that would actually make sense, a herd, a little group. The only other thing that would be probably ideal would be something that Samuel L. Jackson would name them, and we normally can't repeat him. So a pride is there's the only thing you could call. Because when your name is king of the beast, your head is up, your shoulders are back, your chest is out. You got that slow motion walk that says, I dare you. There's no other name that you could call a family of lions, the pride. I'm sure by now you guys have stopped your, your scrolling because you've seen these ads that it's a t-shirt or a mug or like a flag or just anything, any item, and it's, it's got a statement. And embedded in the statement already is your last name. Have you seen that? Hey, let me, am I the only one? Okay, I guess the government's only watching me through my phone. Because that's the most clever thing, right? Put their last name already in it and people will automatically want that t-shirt that says it's a Jackson thing or it's, it's a Simpson, it's a Simpsons thing you wouldn't understand or something like that. Because our family name, that's our lion pride. That's our family, that's our pride. Our lion pride, our family, our family, is everything. We rep our family name, whether it's famous, like Jackson, <laughs> or infamous, like Grash or Recto. <laughs> we represent that name. We rep our family and the heritage that comes along with it, right? The little Puerto Rico flag boxing gloves hanging from the rearview mirror. Or the t-shirt says, kiss me, I'm Irish, which I'm not. Or we buy our favorite jersey with our favorite player's number on it. Or we pay extra to have it customized and put our last name on it. Family's everything. And it's a good thing because we build our identity off of family. Our families who shapes us, our heritage and where we come from, that's, that's who we are. Think about it, if, if you come from a long line of musicians you better be able to carry a tune or at least carry an instrument. If your family is known for a business that they run, people have a pretty good idea about what you're gonna do in life. Did you know that if you shake the hand of a person with the last name Crumpy, you instantly gain a pound? Did you know that? <laughs> your last name. People can tell a little bit about you by that name because your family it's who shapes you. And family's everything. We would do anything for family. Family would do anything for us. Now maybe when I, I mention this, maybe it's a little foreign to you. Maybe you didn't have much family growing up. And I empathize. And maybe you, maybe you long for that. That belonging. That community. That foundation. That lion pride. Because family always gives. 
Family always has our best interest in mind. Family always builds up, always protects, always supports. Family. What's greater than it? Family. Our lion pride. Because family, that's what they do. Family never steals from us. They only give. Family, family never lies to us. No, 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 no. Family, family never, family never leaves, never abuses us. Family, family never hurts us. Family never betrays us. I mean, come on, even Disney knows that. Or at least we thought until we watched Scar dig his claws into Mufasa, pull him in close and say, long live the king, and throw his own brother off of a cliff. And now, years later, we're going to pay higher prices, watch that same horrific scene happen in vivid high definition. <laughs> and you better believe I ain't missing it for the world. I wish they were selling tickets right now. When I saw the trailer come out on Thanksgiving, I started growing out the mane. <laughs> and obviously Simba's a cartoon, so we can never ask him. Is it, is it true? F family would do something like that to us? The ones we need, depend on, created us? Live with us, give to us? They would, so maybe we couldn't ask him, and maybe, maybe unfortunately some of us don't even need to ask. Maybe we know it all too well. But we could ask Joseph. Joseph's story is recorded in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. And in Disney terms, that means it's a tale as old as time. And I, I want to share with you his story, because when I say family, I know it brings different feelings and thoughts, different scenarios, some great and some not so. But I want to show you his story, because in that different variations that could come of family, Joseph's story was a family that also, his family didn't also look like, all the time at least, look like this is us. Matter of fact, in this case, it looked more like this is cuss. And I'm gonna show you. Joseph, Joseph came from a very large family, had a lot of brothers. And all those brothers were from one dad, but from about four different baby mamas, which is already a recipe for some drama. And his brothers knew it. His, his brothers knew it. His brothers knew that their dad favored him. Now, parents, you know that's a no-no. Right? You know that's a no I know, I know you don't have any favorites. And so let me help you out. When the time comes, when they ask because they will, the dog. <laughs> the dog is my favorite. And if you don't have a dog, get you one. Because <laughs> you're going to need it when they ask. But Joseph was favored by his father, and his brothers knew it. And then on top of that, Joseph had a gift. Joseph 
could tell you what you're dreaming when you eat weird food, bad guacamole, and then that night you're dreaming about whatever. He could tell you what that meant. And, and especially in those times, those dreams had a lot of value. God was communicating a lot through them. And Joseph had the gift to tell you what your dream meant. And he had two of his own. They were similar. And in his dream, there was like stalks of grain, and then the next one was like stars in the moon. And what those objects were doing were bowing down to his grain of stock or his, his star. And that represented that one day his own family, he would lead. He would become great. He'd be the one who broke the cycle or became a doctor or became a lawyer or the first one to win the college or whatever. He had a dream. His family would bow down to him. So just imagine his brothers that already don't like him, how that makes them feel. You think they like hearing him walk around singing, oh, I just can't wait to be, shut up, Joseph. Shut up. It didn't help his case. So one day, his brothers are off tending with their flocks. And his father tells Joseph, listen, I want you to go check on your brothers. That's the worst one to send, right? To check on the older. Send the one that you love the most to get a report. Oh, because he probably can't wait to bring back a report. So he sends Joseph to go check on them. And while he's coming, they see him and they roll out the welcome committee. Take a look. Stories in Genesis, verse 18 to 20. So when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. I know you've probably fought with your siblings before. Maybe you've probably been really heated at them. But I doubt. This was real. Their father's child if not even for their own sake, for the sake of their father, their father's child, their brother. They wanted to kill him. Go ahead and go to the next one, guys. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's, let's kill him. Let's throw him into one of these cisterns, and then we can tell our father that a wild animal, a lion, that a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Simba... Simba's betrayed by his uncle. I don't know if you guys have any nephews, but that's like, it's like a second child. Like a, a, it's like a child of your own. He's betrayed by his uncle. Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. Two stories. One's fiction. One's real recorded history. But both of their responses are real to us tonight, right now. Both of the responses are real. Because see, if we're going to build our lives on the foundation of family, and if you feel that way, you should. It's a no-brainer. Family's beautiful. God designed it that way. None of us should be alone. We should have family. We should have friends. We should have, we should have a squad. We should have community. God designed it that way. And so if you've planned on building your life on that, or have been, If it's true that they could actually hurt us, wish ill will on us, harm us, abuse us, neglect us, walk out on us, and we've been building our lives on them, 
Who are we? If our whole life we've depended on the status of Mr. or Mrs., and we just signed divorce papers, who are we? We've put our security our entire lives in a father. And when he went away, I'm supposed to feel protected? We learned community from our brothers and our sisters and our cousins, but when, when they stole from us, how, how are we supposed to be somebody who shares life? If our securities in our family, if our foundations in our family, And when where we came from is no longer part of who we are, then where, where are we going? Because when we lose our identity, we lose ourselves, we lose our direction, we lose our, our purpose. And we probably would lose our value if our family threw us aside for dead, but then decided, wait a minute, Let's sell him into human trafficking instead. That's what Joseph's brothers did. So they bring him up out of the pit, and he's probably like, oh, <laughs> you had me there, guys. Gee, thanks. And they're like, no, you're worth more to us alive than dead. In this case, they saw a band of slave traders coming, and they sell him into slavery. And he gets taken away to Egypt, somewhere he's probably never been. He has no family. He's completely alone. The world literally has just caved in on him, set up by the very people who were supposed to set him up for success, wish him dead or at least out of our lives. He ends up being the servant of a, of a government official named Potiphar. And you know, who can blame him? If right now he wants a lawyer, well, he deserves one. If he's feeling entitled a little bit, well, the good he has a right to. If he wants to cause a bunch of problems while he's there for everybody, he should. It ain't his fault. It's their fault. So you can deal with my problems. It's not my fault. I am the victim here. So if I want to go along with whatever makes me feel good or feel alive or feel valued or accepted, then so be it, because I ain't asked for none of this. And that's his attitude. When he gets there and he's serving, that's his attitude. Take a look. Let me show you. This is what happens in his life. Joseph was alone, so he failed and made excuses and was angry and bitter every day as he served in the home of his master. Go to the next one. And then he noticed that Joseph was alone and was a failure and hated his life and made everybody around him miserable. Keep going. So this displeased his master, and he demoted him and made him his personal potty cleaner and trash attendant. What y'all laughing at? Please tell me, you have your glasses on, and you're wondering, what translation are you reading, Spence? But why? Why? He's got nothing. And the very ones who are supposed to have everything for him are the reason why he has nothing. Nobody, nobody has more right to have a forget the world attitude, and we don't use forget, I'm in church, right? No one, should, no one has more of a right to have that angry of an attitude 
than somebody who's had everything taken away from them from the ones who are supposed to give everything to them. Maybe you know about that. Maybe you feel like you're in a home, but you can't call this home your home because they're not your family. No one has more of a right to be that way than somebody in Joseph's shoes or maybe your shoes. He's got no one. But, but look what's happening. See if you guys can back up for me. Go back to the beginning. He's succeeding. He's a slave, but he's succeeding. His master's noticing his great work. I don't know about you, but you don't show up to work and do your best when you don't want to come to work. You're hoping to get fired. Not here, not at this job, me, you know, I'm, I'm hypothetically, hypothetically. He's succeeding in everything that he's done. Keep going, guys. Potiphar noticed and realized that the Lord was with him, Joseph, giving Joseph success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. That's, that's an upgrade. That's SpongeBob. I'm ready. Promotion. I'm re he got promoted. He put him in charge of his entire household. This is a personal attendant. He has access to all his record, everything. This doesn't happen from somebody who is a victim. It doesn't happen from somebody who's alone and has no one pouring into him. It's because Joseph wasn't alone. And he knew it. God was his family. That's our point. God is family. God is your family. He's family. God is almighty and all-powerful, but he's not just some Zoom thing out in space. He's a father. He's your father. God's family. He's family. And that's what he held on to. He held on to that to determine who he was going to be when the people who were supposed to show him who to be ripped him from their life. God was all that he needed. And he wasn't just his, his boss or his overseer. He was his father. There when he hurt. There when he was angry. There when he did want to lash out. Holding him. Letting him cry about it. And then picking him back up. And getting him back out there to be his best. He wasn't a victim. Now Simba... Now, Simba gets lied to. We know the movie. We know that injustice, that what he did was not his fault. But Simba believes it. So the same thing when you believe you've done wrong or when you do know you've done wrong, the feeling is the same. And so Simba runs. Scar tells him, you need to run. And so he runs away. And you know what he was running from? He was running from that moment. This is my favorite scene in The Lion King. He's running from that moment when after he got in trouble with him and Nala for going to the elephant graveyard and then Mufasa has to deal with the hyenas and that evening they come back and Zazu brings him and Nala up there and Mufasa's staring out at the stars and he says, Zazu, take Nala home. I got to teach my son a lesson. He was running from that correction 
Right at that very moment when he believed that lie, he allowed his circumstances and his misfortunes and his betrayal to start shaping who he was. That first step of his little Paul was headed towards becoming somebody he wasn't. And the whole time he's running, he could have just ran home, mama, mama, something bad's happened, but no, he ran away from that. He ran away from that correction. I wanna, I wanna show you a verse of God as family. Hebrews 12, six, the Lord corrects the people that he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. See, God needs to tell us that because we do what Simba does, we run. We run, and if, and if we feel like we're on the receiving end of some injustice or betrayal or hurt or we've been victimized, we run away from the things that we've adapted to help deal with that. That running is called sin, going the opposite direction from God, running away from our Father. And along the way, we do things that are sinful. And when we've done that first thing that's helped us deal, and all the while we've made excuses for it, or while we can be this way or think this way or act this way now because it's not our fault, we run. Change jobs, change addresses, change town, change phone, new phone, who this? We change. We don't hang around the same people. Nobody's seen you at church. Your life was wondering where you're at. We run. We run from that, that conversation with our father that says, I got to teach my son a lesson. I got to teach him about something they're doing wrong. You know what's so beautiful about that scene? By the time it's over, Simba's romping around playing with his dad. Closer to his dad than he's ever been. And now he's running from that. And we do that. But God is family and God corrects his family. And it's because he's looking for that moment that Simba and Mufasa had. I know you're running. I know you're done wrong. I want to teach you about it. And then I just want to hold you and pour life into you. Why would we run from that? Why are we running from that? See, Joseph, he held to God's correction. He held to it. Matter of fact, he lived by God's commandment, so God didn't have to correct him. Even, even with something as powerful as his own sexuality. So I, I, I get the chance to speak at other places other than here sometimes, and sometimes I, I'm in a, like a public school setting, and I have, a, I have an assembly that I do for high school kids called Strong Sexual Content. And the whole premise of that is to teach them that something like sex is one of the most powerful forces in all of life. God designed it to be that way because it creates and it bonds and it draws together. But what we've allowed sometimes is for sexuality to become higher than God. We've allowed our sexuality to tell us who we are. Joseph had an opportunity to do that. When his boss's wife noticed him and tried to get with him, and I'm not, I'm not talking about subtle flirts. She wasn't dropping hints. She was just dropping. <laughs> she tried to get with him, 
And he could have allowed it. Remember, think about it. He's a slave. It's not like he gets to go out to the bar when he's off his shift and meet a girl. This might be his only opportunity. He could make excuses if he wanted to. Say he deserved it. But that's not what he does. Look what he tells her. And pay close attention to what he aims it at. My master has withheld everything, withheld nothing from me except you. Because you're his wife. So how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? It wasn't even about his boss. It wasn't about her. It wasn't even about Joseph. Again, it was God. He wasn't going to allow anything, even, even a powerful force within him, to determine who he was. God was telling him who he was and how to behave. He says, no, you're not someone who's going to wreck a home. You're not someone who's going to betray. You're not going to be that selfish. That's not you. Now he shuts her down, and she gets in her feelings. Jojo, you don't love me. Why you hiding? You will never come to see me. And she lies on him. Now listen, he's done the right thing. He's doing what's right. And she lies, says he tried to rape her, and he gets thrown into jail. Come on, God, we need this story to go from bad to better, and it's going from bad to worse. Once again, Joseph could choose. See, nice guys finish last. Doing what's right. Look what it's gotten me. In any given moment, he could choose to just give in and hand his life over to whatever his circumstances were to make him. But he holds to God. He holds to God. And not only when he's in there, again, he's not moping, he's not the victim. Even while he's in jail, he shines. He's not just there, he's shining, he's using his gifts. He didn't let, and, and you know, like, Potiphar and his wife were probably the only thing he's had of family since he got betrayed by his family. And now they're betraying him as well. But he didn't let a bunch of characters take him out of his character. Don't let a bunch of characters take you out your character. God is shaping your character in the midst of these injustices and betrayals and hurts. And Joseph shines. Not only, not only is he there, but he's present. He's using his gifts. While he's in there, he continues to use his gift. He interprets some dreams of people, and that lands him right into the courts of the king himself, Pharaoh. And when he interprets Pharaoh's dream and gives him a plan to save all of Egypt, he promotes him to second in charge over all of Egypt. Come on. Biggie Smalls had a saying that said he went from ashy to classy. That's ashy to classy. That's, that's brown dirt floor to White House ceiling. There's only a God that could do that to somebody who's had everything taken from them, stripped of all, placed below human, and now he's elevated above everybody else. And now comes the time. If you like that scene in the movie, when people get even, here it comes. His dream comes true. Joseph's in his palace one day he's ruling, and in his hometown there's a famine, there's no food. So who do you think has to travel to Egypt to beg for help from Joseph? His family. 
He's standing in the courtroom and his family comes in and they're begging. They have no idea that it's him. He knows exactly who they are. And I'll fast forward a little bit. There's a little reunion and his dad and all that and it's joy for a while. And then when his father dies, his brothers are worried. He was just hanging on until dad died. He gonna pay us back now. And you can probably see that in Joseph, right? You think I forgot? Huh? You think it doesn't still hurt? I'm just now getting that knife out of my back. He could throw them out. He could throw them in a pit, remember, remember that? But instead, he throws his arms around them and he forgives them. Look what he tells them. Look, I know what y'all did back then, and you intended it to harm me. But God intended it all for good. All of it. Your hatred, what you did, where I ended up, everything that happened to me, what God intended that. God doesn't want any of us to be hurt, harmed, or none of that. But what will he do in the midst of it? He will protect you. God protects his family. God is family. God corrects his family. God protects his family. Nothing or no one can stand in the way, can sabotage what God has planned for your life. No matter where you are right now, you are right where you're supposed to be. No matter who's done what, no matter what rage or vengeance you feel inside your heart, God knows right where you're at. And he's protecting you. If Simba would have held to this, his life would have looked different. But Simba runs off, runs away from who he's supposed to be, lets his circumstances become his guiding force. And he's taking on mentalities now that are not him. Sure, Kuna Matata wasn't something bad, but it was bad for a king. He's become something he's not supposed to be. He's lost his way. And he knows it. And beneath all of that, there was only one voice that was going to be able to pierce through what he'd become and tell him who he really is. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.